Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, this is Brett Amron, Bast Amron. And I'm Jeff Bast from Bast Amron. And this is The Practice Podcast. So today we're going to talk about some practical do's. We're not going to talk necessarily about the don'ts. We've all heard it. We've all seen articles about it and webinars and all kinds of things about do's and don'ts of appearing via Zoom or some other video conferencing, either in court or for trials or for depositions, even mediations, I suppose, and on webinars. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about telephonic appearances as well as that's become more prevalent in the post-COVID world. So Jeff, give us some of the do's that you think. So there's the obvious. We've seen a lot about this. Obviously, if you're going to be on video, you got to dress appropriately. You got to think about your background. If you're going to use one of those fake backgrounds, the virtual backgrounds, test it out first. Make sure the lighting is appropriate and that your shape, you don't keep disappearing. I've had Zoom calls with people who are disappearing in the midst of the hearing. And it's just very distracting. I think these are fantastic developments in the land of the law, yeah. trials. Yeah. And we're going to see more and more of them. It just requires a little bit more legwork in advance. Speaking of legs, if you're going to wear shorts, don't stand up. Right. And make yeah. sure that your camera angle is such that you can't see below where you want the court to see. And yeah, I mean, there's some basics that I guess people from, I know we're Florida and there's, you know, hashtag Florida man, but there's some lawyers, I guess, that were showing up without a coat or even just in t-shirts or I think no shirts. <laughs> there was a couple of those too. That's pretty obvious stuff. But in terms of even angle of camera, right? I know when I've appeared via Zoom and argued some matters, non-evidentiary, I have two screens here at home. And so I like to have my notes up or the documents that I'm going to be using and going through. And there's a tendency, obviously, it's very hard because I'm looking at my camera now and I want to see everybody, but I also want to look at my notes. And so what I've seen happen sometimes is people just tend to turn their head the entire time and look at everything. And so imagine that for a 20-minute or 30-minute argument right. the whole time. You, know, you can't see even, what's going even on. That, Nobody can even see that, it. what you just did is not as bad as what I've seen people where it's fully out or they're <laughs> leaned over. I've right. seen people like this, they're attending the hearing like this. Yeah. So you just need to think about those things. Make sure you have it appropriate. Think about where your eyes are going to be and take a look at the camera every once in a while. Even on a Zoom, most of the time I'm looking at you on the image, but I do try to look at the camera every once in a while. When you're in court, it's very easy, right? Because you have everything sort of in front of you. You have your binder, if you use that, or a folder. And you could always, if you're at the lectern, you can go back right to the table and back and forth. If you're on a Zoom and a video conference, it's sort of like if you don't have everything in front of you, then you're leaning, you're doing this, you're trying to find stuff. And that's very distracting. Listen, it's going to happen. It's fine. I think it's fine if you have to do it, you do it right, but you want to try to limit it. Yeah, the idea is to have everything sort of around you and up and running so that you're not searching for things, you're not moving around, very distracting. I am not a fan, as you can see from my background, of those fake backgrounds. Some work, but really disorienting for me. I think if you have like a green screen, I think that's better, right? Because then it sort of puts some of the newscasters and news anchors have had that. It looks a little bit better. 
But for me, it's just very disorienting for me. So I've not done it. Fortunately, I mean, I think I have a decent background, so it's okay. But I understand why people use it. It's just for me, it's very disorienting, the whole disappearing thing and the angles of the head and all that. So I suggest that what has to happen is you just need to do some preparation in advance. So Mm -hmm. get on, first of all, dial into whatever it is, because maybe it's not Zoom, maybe it's some other application and you may have technical difficulties. Just spend 10 minutes and dial in before, check the camera before, check your audio before, check your microphone before. You don't want to be dealing with that during the hearing. Find out, figure out where the mute button is so you're comfortable and you can click it easily. You know, how to mute yourself and how not to mute yourself. Make sure your Wi-Fi is good that day. If there's background noise, if the lawn guys are outside your window, yesterday I had some plumbers doing work. I said, listen, at 1130, I need you guys to be done. So just take a little bit of time to check your surroundings before the hearing. And then if you do have technical difficulties, don't spend five minutes talking about them after you've already delayed people five minutes because that is people's tendency. Oh, I have this and I have... Nobody cares. At that point, you're on. Let's just start the hearing or the meeting or the webinar. And I know a lot of people just don't use headphones or microphones on their headphones I'm a big proponent of it. It just helps me with hearing everything. And it doesn't sound like I'm talking out of a basement or a dungeon. I use a good microphone. And so everything is very clear. I know a lot of judges, more so for phone hearings than Zoom hearings, are having a hard time hearing people. It's very garbled, depending upon what type of phone they're using, what type of headset they're using, and maybe even the service. I don't know. Getting a good headset or a good microphone is super important, I think, for judges, for everybody to hear you, whoever you're communicating with, to make it very clear. So that's sort of some of the logistics and the lighting and all that. We're not going to talk about that, but make sure there is enough lighting, right? Otherwise, it's super dark. I was watching a webinar yesterday, and one of the people that were on the panel appeared, and they were wearing very dark clothing. The background was very dark. There was not a lot of lighting. Their glasses had this reflection from the light, I guess, in front of them or from the screen even. It just didn't look good. It was very distracting for me. And I just was sort of thinking about that rather than really focusing and listening. So those are some of the things. Let's sort of get into Zoom trials and and some of the logistics of preparing for that, right? Some of those issues are you need to not only, I think for lawyers, especially when you're going to have a witness, when you're going to have your client appear, you now need to do that twice. You do it for yourself and now you need to do it with your clients and especially with clients that are not doing this on a regular basis like we are. You got to work on their lighting, their eye contact their Wi-Fi and you do practice runs. And what I recommend to young lawyers is do a little session and record it. It's very easy to record these, play it back so you can see what's it going to look like to somebody else because the way you see it is not necessarily the way everyone else is going to see it. So record it, play it back for yourself, but you have to do a practice session with your client, figure out where they're going to be. What are they going to wear? Are they going to have to read something? If they are going to read something, what is it? If it's a witness, they can't just be reading while they're testifying. So you have to be clear. I know you and I have talked about this. Our preference is have the witness. If you have a client and they are local and they can get to your office, much better to have them in the room with you. If they're not in the room with you, you need to have a secondary mode of communication. So open up a chat line with them on your phone and put the phone next to the screen or down somewhere out of the view of the camera so that you can communicate with them while the hearing's happening. 
Right. So is this okay if I'm doing this while I'm at a hearing? Is that kind of okay? No, I mean, just if you're going to use your phone, just keep it down, keep it out of the way of the camera, just pay attention to that, of course. In terms of trials, obviously, it's super easy when you're in the courtroom, right? And everyone knows how to do this and that does evidentiary hearings or trials. With the exhibits, right? You hand up an exhibit or if you're using electronics with the system in the courtroom, it's much easier. It is harder here and you have to really think about the logistics of presenting evidence and a witness and how you can make that happen. And one of the suggestions we have is, as Jeff said, if you can have your client in a conference room, obviously socially distant and safe, if you can have, whether it be an associate or a staff person or a paralegal or another lawyer, whoever it is, that is working with you on the trial, they're with you as well. They may be the one who is putting up and sharing the exhibit and the information while you are on Zoom and have another screen to use for your notes, your questions that you want to ask, or your argument if you have that up too. It just may be easier to have that because once you share your screen, as you know, it kind of limits your ability to look at other documents in front of you. And so it may be easier to have somebody else do that for you as you would in theory in a, a trial, right? right? A regular trial, you'd have either the audiovisual person or, or your paralegal queuing it up for you when asked. Right. Yeah. If you were in a regular trial, you're going to have your AV person bring up exhibit 48 and you're looking at your own notes the same way. And what we've used that's been effective is two people, each of them with two screens. Right. So they have one screen that has the document that is being seen by the court and the witness and the other screen where they're queuing up and searching for the other documents. And then you as the lawyer, you have your same thing, the one screen with the document that everyone's looking at and your other screen with your notes and whatever else you may need. So it just requires a little bit more preparation. And I mentioned before the text chat, what we've done is including with webinars or trials, if you have multiple people that you're going to need to communicate with, just create a group. And you guys all have a group and we do it in WhatsApp. You can do it in a text or whatever's easy and communicate that way. You can use the chat feature on Zoom, but I don't recommend that for a couple of reasons. One is, especially if you're doing a webinar, for example, when you're sending a chat on Zoom, their option is to send it to everyone or send it to just certain people. The risk is you might send a message to somebody that you mean to send it to one of your co-speakers or a trial partner, and you end up sending it to everyone. So the best way to protect against that risk is in the midst of a trial, there's so many things happening at one time, you want to kind of limit the additional thought requirements, you know, make things as easy as you can for yourself, set up a separate chat, there's no risk that it's going to the wrong person. And obviously, this is going to require some extra preparation, not just on the substantive material, but on the logistics. I know we've all been doing this now for 13, 14 weeks approximately. And so we're getting used to it. I know courts are getting more used to it. I think this is something that's going to be here, maybe not necessarily for trials or evidentiary as much, but non-evidentiary. I feel like Zoom or video hearings are going to be more accepted, more the norm. I actually prefer them over phone hearings just because it's just much easier to communicate. You can see what's happening. You can see the judge the judge can see you. It's just a little bit easier. I think flows a little bit better. For me, phone hearings, people start to talk over each other. And it's just really hard. I think I really do like 
Zoom hearing, big fan, and I hope they stick around. I hope judges adopt them or courts, you know, different jurisdictions adopt them. But it's just going to require a little bit extra prep for a trial or an evidentiary hearing in order to make sure that things go as smoothly as possible. As Jeff indicated, I mean, there may be some technology glitches. There may be a service issue with Wi-Fi. I mean, it's going to happen. Courts are going to be patient with that. They understand. And from time to time, you're going to have disruptions wherever you might be in your house, a dog barking, a landscapers, kids coming in, things like that. It's going to happen. That's okay. Try and see what you can do to try to limit those risks, but it's okay. It's going to happen and people are more accepting of it than they have been in the past. And the thing is to just not get too hung up on it. If right. there is noise or if a kid walks in or a pet walks by, it's fine. Just you don't have to change the focus of the whole hearing or the discussion topic. I did want to make one final comment about the mute button, yep. the importance of the mute button and using it. I think most people understand the way to use it defensively, but I think you also should use it offensively. What I mean by that is if you have a large group of people and in some any type of discussion, it could be a court hearing, we have court hearings with numbers of people, put yourself on mute. And when you want to speak, take yourself off mute and you're signaling to other people that you want to speak. The other way to do that is to use the reactions. You can actually raise your hands by using the reactions feature right. in Zoom and some of the other programs, but use your mute button as a message. And of course, if that's not working, you can raise your hand when you want to speak and judges see that too. One last tip that sort of came to fruition for us, which is if you're going to drink, whether it be water or whether it be coffee, make sure that there isn't a message on your cup that you don't want the judge or people out there who are watching whatever you're recording to see. If you're interested in hearing what happened, is you're going to have to email one of us. <laughs> have a great day. Bye, everybody. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron. 